Welcome to the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Axel Ragnarsson, and on this show, I dissect how seasoned multifamily investors started, built, and scaled their businesses. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another quick solo episode here on the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about four things that investors need to be wary of when doing deals right now. Um, and these are going to be different than what you're hearing on every podcast. Buy deals at a good price, fix your rate, et cetera, et cetera. I think that these are a little bit more um, tactical, a little bit more specific. I think you're going to take something away from this episode if you're a multifamily investor who is doing deals right now. So let's just jump right into it. The first one is you need to be absolutely diligently reading your loan documents. You need to be taking a magnifying glass to your loan documents. And you should probably be looking at the loan documents on deals that you already own right now as well. And specifically what we're looking for here are lender friendly or you know odd loan covenants. And we all know that uh, you can get foreclosed on by your lender if you don't pay your mortgage or um, you know if you start damaging the property actively and, and hurting the bank's collateral. But there's other loan covenants that banks have the right to point to when they initiate a foreclosure. Maybe you didn't send the bank your updated PFS and your tax returns by some point you know, in the given year. Um, maybe you're not working through your renovations quickly enough if you're under a bridge loan and the, the bank has recourse to actually point that out and to um, call your loan. Maybe there's something else in there that's a little odd, right? That, uh, that when times are good, a bank is not going to go and uh, foreclose on a loan. But when times are bad, even if you are paying your debt, Banks are oftentimes looking a little bit more diligently at their loan covenants in times of turbulence, such as right now. I mean, we have various different lenders that have in their loan covenants, the, requ the requirement that we provide our PFS and tax returns by the end of Q1 in a given new year, uh, or show them our extensions if we haven't filed. And oftentimes when the market's great, when people are paying, uh, everything is perfect, you know, as it was from really 2018 to 2022, really at the end of the day, the bank is not going to enforce those loan covenants. But if there's a situation in which, uh, you know, a borrower has been late in a payment or two, or the lender is just feeling the distress and they want to call the loan due because they have liquidity issues with their bank or something like that, maybe they look at the loan covenants. So make sure you understand the loan covenants when you're signing loan agreements now. And if there's something in there that you actually see as risky or problematic, you should think about bringing that up with your lender and having a conversation about it before you close. Number two in uh, the list of four things that lenders need to be wary of when doing deals right now is when you're underwriting, if you're underwriting multifamily deals, you should be assuming more operational distress at the operational level when you're doing deals, right? I think we can all agree that we're underwriting debt distress and market distress, you know, underwriting higher exit cap rates, underwriting higher interest rates on a refinance if we're underwriting a refinance. But we should also start underwriting operational distress as well. And I think that should come in the forms of or come in the form of lower rent growth, if not no rent growth, um, higher vacancy rates. Uh, maybe higher legal cost as we need to bring in more eviction attorneys because we have more tenants that are delinquent and we need to file more evictions. These are all things that we should be thinking about when we're underwriting the P&L of a deal, right? The pro forma. 
and not something that I think a lot of folks have done in the last few years. It's basically hop into your underwriting, you throw in your 5% vacancy, uh, you have your 2 or 3% rent growth or whatever you feel is appropriate in your market. Um, you underwrite your stabilized rents at today's market rents and off you go, right? You get your all expenses in there and, and, and it's kind of a formulaic approach. Whereas now I think it requires a little bit more nuance. Um, what am I going to think the vacancy rate will be in in a year? And let's look at what's happened in a market like Phoenix. Two years ago, you had absurd rent growth, pretty low vacancy. Now with all of this supply coming online and you know, really just the glut of supply in that marketplace and really the whiplash effect of that market from a metric standpoint, we're having rent declines. Rents are declining year over year. Uh, it's not like they're just growing at a lower rate. They're actually going down. Rents are declining. Vacancy rates are also going up. And I have to imagine that most sponsors didn't underwrite that stuff. Most investors didn't underwrite that. So you should start underwriting operational distress in, in, in addition to distress in the marketplace and in the debt markets. Number three, you should only really be waiving financing contingencies right now if you are 100% comfortable in your ability to close. Um, we waive financing contingencies when we're making offers still because we're oftentimes offering on deals that are just really small in relation to a lot of the deals that we do. You know, We're still open to doing smaller deals in our business, stuff that's eight units, 10 units, 15 units, whatever it is. And I'm really confident in our ability to go find a bank that's going to close because we have relationships with over 20 local banks in terms of who we've worked with. And, you know, if, and I, and if I were to play out the absolute worst case scenario where the lender drops out of the last minute, I'm okay losing my deposit on the deal of that size because it's helping us get the deal under contract in the first place because other people aren't willing to do it. Right. So in a situation like that, we're okay with it. Now, if we were going after an 80 unit deal, a hundred unit deal, and we had a very, very large deposit on the line, it, it would have to be an incredibly compelling deal for me to waive a financing contingency right now. And maybe that makes us less competitive for deals on that at, at that level comparatively to other investors. That's that's true, right? Maybe someone's willing to not do that and we lose the deal. That's that's okay because the downside risk of losing a hundred thousand dollar deposit is just too high in our business right now comparatively to losing that's one that's ten k, right? Um, and we've never failed to close. And I'm sure that when it happens, that'll be the first time it really stings, and then we'll we'll adjust to the new reality. But we're seeing in our business right now, it is incredibly hard to get deals financed on the buy side. Just very, very challenging to do so. And it doesn't even matter how good the deal is. We, there's a lot of local banks, local community uh, or local credit unions, local community banks that are just not interested in lending right now, period. And these are banks that we've done three, four, five loans with. And we're taking them a deal that is minuscule relative to our overall portfolio size and what we've done from an experience standpoint. And they're just like, yeah, we're just not really looking to lend right now. And that's just, we're not even getting a term sheet. It's not like we're getting a bad term sheet um, with like an LTV and a rate that we're not happy with. It's we're getting no term sheet. Um, this is something that I'm hearing from all investors across the business right now as well. So you need to be really, really confident in your ability to close or at least be mentally okay with losing your deposit right now. As, as we are in some of the deals that we're doing, because it's helping us be much more competitive on the buy side. And if you're not, then you should be including financing contingencies because there's a lot of deals just falling apart at the 11th hour because the bank changes their minds. And people forget that a lender can give you a term sheet. You can sign the term sheet. You can go through underwriting. You can get through the appraisal. The bank just doesn't, they, they can just back out. Like they don't have to lend on the deal, right? 
The deal is not closed until you have a commitment letter. And really, even then, it's not closed until closing. And, and you only get that commitment letter shortly before closing. So um, you need to be really comfortable with, with your ability to close if you're waiving financing contingencies. Now, last one that I'm going to talk about, number four, and this is more of a deal selection acquisitions tip for investors. You should be looking for deals that have management upside versus upside through renovations. And this is a real small nuance that takes many investors a long time to really understand. So I actually think this is going to be really a, a value add tip for a lot of the listeners out there. The best value add multifamily deals or deals in general are deals where you're creating value through management improvements or just through bringing you know, units to market, right? Where there's massive loss to lease, where um, just through some organic raises, through signing a lease at a higher rent, you're creating value versus business plans that require a significant amount of renovations to create the value that you're looking to create. So hypothetically speaking, let's say you buy a piece of real estate, uh, average rents are 1200 bucks a month. Um, you know, market rent for the units in their current condition is 1500. And, you know, uh, you can get the rents to 1650 if you go in there and spend eight, 12 grand, whatever it is. That's a pretty compelling deal nowadays because you're getting the bulk of your rent increase of your, of your NOI increase through just better management. Previous owner may not have been managing it well, so they couldn't justify higher rents or they just didn't know what the rents were and they thought they were at market and market is a different number that comparatively to a deal that requires you to, you know, maybe the average rents are at, you know, 1400 and maybe you can get to 1500 with some organic rent increases talking about this, you know, a similar deal hypothetically but you can get it to 1650 and you're going to have to spend your 12 K unit to get your 250 bucks. And then in addition to doing that, you're going to have to paint the exterior and repave the driveway. That is a much riskier proposition because you're investing a significant amount of dollars in renovations. And whenever you're investing a significant amount of money in CapEx and renos, the likelihood that something can go wrong along the way increases. The larger your CapEx budget, the more likely it is that you go over budget, the more likely it is that something goes wrong, the more likely it is that the deal doesn't perform as you originally intended, comparatively to one where most of the value is coming from management improvements versus a CapEx spend. So now at this point in the marketplace, we are really looking for deals that have management upside versus we're going to have to go in there and do a ton of work. Those deals are much less interesting to us at this point in time. And, uh, and I think that that's what value-add operators should be looking for right now, are management plays, um, because it's just, it's the risk-adjusted returns associated with a deal like that are so much more compelling. So those are four things we're focusing on in our business, some things that we're, I guess I should say, we're focusing on them and we're, we're doing them actively. Um, and I hope that some of these tips help you get out of a jam, help you uh, avoid doing a bad deal, help you prevent yourself from getting into a bad loan. Um and, uh, you know, help you avoid losing your deposit at the end of the day, too, if you're going out there and getting aggressive with your terms and your offers. So if you learned something in this episode, if you took something away, please consider leaving the show a rating and a review. And uh, if you think this episode will be helpful to somebody in your network, please consider emailing it to them, texting it to them. Or, you know, even better yet, if you really want to be a rock star, throw this up on your Instagram, on your LinkedIn, some other place where you think that you can get this value in front of other folks. Helps the show get noticed by more people. And uh, I always greatly appreciate it when this uh, podcast is shared. So thanks for everyone that's done that. And uh, catch you guys next week. 
Thank you for listening to this episode on the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. If you learned something new during the show, please consider sharing this episode with a friend, family member, or business partner, or just leaving a rating and review as it helps the show get noticed by more folks. Catch you next week.